1: Iran begins enriching uranium to 60% purity, an effort to expand nuclear program.
2: This is the way of escalating and sort of uh, strengthening that hand.
1: Biden is expected to extend student loan payment pause to June 30th. Most of this money going to go to people in the upper 60%. The U.S. and allies look to put a price cap on Russian oil.
3: We've got the G7 countries that are talking about a price cap, that they will have a price cap on Russian oil in place.
1: This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast, your first look at today's top stories for Wednesday, November 23rd. I'm Jim Bartow. On Tuesday, the International Atomic Energy Agency confirmed that Iran has begun enriching uranium to 60% purity at its Fordo nuclear plant. According to the IAEA, the move was made in retaliation for the agency's criticism of Iran, in a Board of Governors resolution last week. Ronza Sayah of France's 24's English News Channel, who is on the ground in Iran, explains the latest.
4: Actually, Iran sending a message to Washington, European powers, and the U.N.'s nuclear watchdog that if you stick it to us, we're going to stick it to you. Iran, the Islamic Republic, has had a history of defiance Uh, pushing back against what it perceives as Western pressure and uh, unfair treatment by the West. Uh, And this is another instance where Iran is pushing back and at the same time upping the ante when it comes to its nuclear program. Again, state media reporting today that Iran enriching uranium at 60% purity at its Fordow facility. Iran had already been enriching uh, uh, uranium at 60% purity at its Natanz facility. Now it's doing it at its underground Fordo facility. Sayah
1: goes on to say that while the West will see this as an escalation, Iran sees itself as responding to politically motivated pressure from the West.
4: 60% purity is a step away from the 90% purity necessary to make a nuclear bomb. Western powers are probably going to view this as an escalation, but Iran's response is this is in, uh, in reaction to a U.N. resolution passed last week condemning Iran and calling on Iran to cooperate with an investigation on alleged traces of uranium found at a number of undeclared uh, sites. Iran has long dismissed those uh, allegations and uh, it says they're uh, politically motivated. And now today, in response to that resolution, uh, they're announcing that they're enriching uranium at 60 percent at the Fordow facility.
1: The move by Iran could be considered provocative by Western powers, due to the fact that the Fordo plant is buried under a mountain, making it harder to attack. Nagar Murtazavi, an Iranian immigrant and the host of the Iran podcast, says that Iran's announcement comes with serious concerns about proliferation of nuclear weapons.
2: But it's definitely an escalation. The Iranian side is still claiming that they're interested in joining the deal, and they're actually saying they're the ones in the deal, out of compliance, and the United States is the one out of the deal and out of compliance. And they've been calling on the Biden administration to sort of rejoin the deal um, since the beginning of the administration, President Biden. But this is just a serious escalation as nuclear experts are also saying. And it's going to make it even more difficult for Iran to come back, if the two sides were to make a deal even, for Iran to come back to full compliance and essentially reverse these steps that are being taken. It's also raising a serious proliferation concern, um, and Iran is essentially shortening the time, uh, the breakout time, as it's called. It's not a nuclear weapon state, but it's a that time that's needed for a non-weapons program uh, or for the fuel to essentially be used and turned a civilian program to be turned into a weapons program. And that's just concerning as we saw messages coming from the United States and also its European partners, the E3 in Europe.
1: Murtazavi explains how current geopolitics are impacting Iran's decision to ramp up their uranium enrichment programs.
2: Seems to be the direction they're going, especially with this hardline administration that came into power in Tehran, the hardline president, Raisi, last year, the year before that, uh, the hardliners consolidated power in the Iranian parliament. And so sort of the entire country is going a more hardline and east-leaning direction, also with President Trump pulling out of the nuclear deal in 2018 unilaterally and uh, essentially campaign of maximum pressure, as he called it, on Iran, economic sanctions, very tough, crippling economic sanctions. This shift to the east had already been underway. And with Russia's attack on Ukraine and that war, things just got so much more complicated, both for the nuclear negotiations and also Iran's um, very difficult relations or tensions with the West. And I think it's only pushing them even further towards the east, looking to Russia for military support and also to China, for trade and business.
1: However, Murtazavi says that she believes that Iran's simply trying to put more pressure on the U.S. by giving themselves more leverage when they come to the negotiating table.
2: I feel like their calculation is that, is that it is still in their interest to remain in this deal, although they're out of compliance of the JCPOA. They're still technically remaining in the deal and to sort of continue this negotiation with the West. But at the same time, this is their way of escalating and sort of uh, strengthening their hand when it comes to to the negotiating table to be able to put more pressure on Washington and its Western partners.
1: That purity is below the roughly 90% needed for weapons-grade material, but well above the 20% Iran produced before its 2015 agreement with major powers to cap enrichment at 3.67%. Rolling blackouts across Ukraine may continue through March, and Ukrainians brace for a grim winter after weeks of relentless Russian strikes against its power grid. Daybreak Insider's Charles
5: de la Desma has the details on this story. Energy chief Sergei Kovalenko said in a Facebook post late on Monday the company is under instructions from Ukraine's state grid operator to resume emergency blackouts in the areas it covers, including the capital Kiev and the eastern Dnipropetrovsk region. Kovalenko warns, although there are fewer blackouts, now, most likely, Ukrainians will have to live with them until at least the end of March. Russia has been pummeling Ukraine's power grid and other infrastructure from the air for weeks as the war approaches its nine-month milestone. I'm Charles Dilodesma.
1: On Tuesday, the White House announced that it would once again extend the pause of federal student loan payments.
4: A federal court last week blocked the Biden administration from implementing this student loan uh, forgiveness plan that had been approved for about 16 million Americans who are going to see as much as $10,000 or $20,000 in student debt relief depending on their circumstances. Now today we've learned that President Biden has decided to extend the repayment moratorium that frees on all student loan payments for all federal student loan debt holders while those court challenges continue to play out. That moratorium was set to expire at the end of this year. Biden says that while student debt relief is
1: tied up in the courts, his administration will continue to pause debt payments while the Supreme Court considers their case.
6: We're not going to back down, though, in our fight to give families breathing room. That's why the Department of Justice is asking the Supreme Court of the United States to rule on the case. But it isn't fair to ask tens of millions of borrowers eligible for relief to resume their student debt payments while the courts consider the lawsuit. For that reason, the Secretary of Education is extending the pause on student loan payments while we seek relief from the courts, but no later than June 30, 2023.
1: The moratorium on student loan payments began back in March of 2020 and was implemented to help people who were struggling due to the COVID pandemic. Borrower balances have effectively been frozen since then, with no payments required on most federal student loans. During this time, interest has stopped adding up and collections on defaulted debt have also been on hold. However, according to reports, if the program has not been implemented or resolved by June 30th, payments will resume 60 days after that. Republican Representative Carlos Jimenez of Florida joins Fox News and says that student debt forgiveness is a terrible idea.
6: I think it's, uh, it's, uh, it's ridiculous. It's uh, really a slap in the face of the people that chose not to go to college. And uh, so you got most of this money is going to go to people in the upper 60 percent. Uh, white collar uh, went to college. Uh, it was their own, they, their own choice. They decided to go to college and put this debt on themselves. And now, you know, every day, hardworking Americans are going to have to pay them, you know, basically bail them out. Uh, and pay higher taxes in order for them to get this bailout. I think that's, uh, it's not the right thing to do, and certainly adding another $300 billion to the deficit. But again, you know, the Democrats just are going to spend, 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 spend. Jimenez says that he believes if student debt were to pass, it would add to inflation. It puts, you know, another $300 billion into the economy and, and $300 billion circulating. That's all you know, adds to inflationary uh, pressure. And so, look, you never listen to what the Democrats actually say, do you? I mean, that the Anti-Inflation Act has got nothing to do with anti-inflation. It's really about 87,000 new IRS agents coming after us uh, and and to try to get another $200 billion uh, from our pockets to, to pay for all these, you know, Green New Deal and all the other stuff that the Democrats want to pay for, including, I guess, you know, this bailout. Jimenez
1: goes on to say that putting taxpayers on the hook for student loans will have a negative impact on the Democrats' 2024 electoral prospects.
6: But, you know, I think that even the people that are, that are, you know, maybe getting this, you know, forgiveness, this $10,000 for loan forgiveness, I think they're smart enough to know that it's really not the right thing to do. They'll take the $10,000, thank you very much, The rest of us that are paying for it are certainly not going to be really happy that we're going to have to, you know, pony up $10,000, you know, additional taxes so that, you know, a a smaller group of people can get a $10,000 break. It's just not right. And I think it's going to cost them in the end.
1: Critics of the Biden administration also point to the current economic climate and warn that forgiving debt could add to the oppressive amount of inflation that the country is currently facing. Plus, Some experts point to how the years-long freeze on payments and interest is expected to cost the government $155 billion through the end of 2022, and say that the new extension will add to that total. Albert Moeller, president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, says that Biden's student debt forgiveness ignores what's really driving the high price of education.
0: President Biden's plan for forgiveness of student debt has set us up for a massive financial and moral disaster. The administration has chosen relatively privileged young people in our society and said, we're going to help you pay your debt. We're going to forgive your debt. Meanwhile, the persons who worked hard not to take on student debt, you get nothing out of this. Indeed, you're going to have to pay their bills. But there's an aspect of this that needs to be highlighted. That is, the federal government's infusion of untold trillions of dollars in higher education is what has led to the vast escalation in educational cost. Who would have figured? You give colleges and universities the opportunity to participate in these loan programs, and they begin to double and triple their budgets. It's a pernicious cycle, whereby students have to take out more in loans because the cost of tuition and other fees are going up. This debt forgiveness plan by the Biden administration will only make matters worse.
1: The U.S. Supreme Court will allow Congress to get former President Trump's tax returns. Daybreak Insider's Bill Alexander has more on this developing story.
0: The Supreme Court on Tuesday cleared the way for the handover of former President Donald Trump's tax returns to a congressional committee after a three-year legal battle. The court, without comment, rejected Trump's plea for an order that would have prevented the Treasury Department from giving six years of tax returns for Trump and some of his businesses to the Democratic-controlled House Ways and Means Committee. In the dispute over his tax returns, the Treasury Department had refused to provide the records during Trump's presidency. But the Biden administration said federal law is clear that the committee has the right to to examine any taxpayer return, including the president's. I'm Bill Alexander in Washington.
1: On Monday, a report from the Wall Street Journal stated that OPEC would ramp up its production. However, the Saudi Energy Minister Abdulaziz bin Salman pushed back against the report. Inez Ferre of Yahoo Finance explains how the news impacted the market.
3: An interesting day after that headline earlier this morning. Take a look at WTI and Brand crude futures, how they sank about 5 percent earlier this morning after that headline that you just mentioned. Now Saudi Arabia coming out and refuting uh, that report that uh, Saudi Arabia and other OPEC members uh, were going to increase production. So you can see after Saudi Arabia refuted that, uh, you saw oil futures going back up. But nonetheless, uh, a little slight dip today is what we're seeing with uh, oil futures.
1: Frey says with winter setting in, there is some concern over oil supply.
3: You do have concerns about demand, uh, China COVID cases that are rising in uh, cities like Beijing. Even though you have that European ban on Russian oil as of December 5th, there's still demand concerns weighing on oil. You've got the G7 countries that are talking about a price cap that they will have a price cap on Russian oil in place, but it's still unclear how that price cap will take place. So basically, what you're seeing is some uncertainty surrounding supply going forward. We are going into the winter months, but Europe has been able to beef up its inventory uh, when it comes to natural gas and also diesel. So maybe the supply side, on the supply side, the market's a little bit concerned. Perhaps there is uh, enough supply to go around.
1: Meanwhile, the Treasury Department announced a new guidance on Tuesday regarding transport of Russian oil ahead of the planned price cap in December. According to the guidance, U.S. service providers can continue to carry Russian seaborne oil if it was loaded before December 5th. The price cap involves the G7 countries, the EU, and Australia. It has not yet been decided how much to cap the price of oil, but the decision is said to be coming in the days ahead. A top retail executive says spiking interest rates are taking a toll on consumer spending. Daybreak Insider's Greg Clexton takes a look at the numbers. The job market
0: remains strong, consumer spending is resilient, and inflation has been slowing. But what Americans are buying is changing. With high interest rates and stubborn inflation, people are reluctant to spend unless there is a sale. Best Buy CEO Corey Berry says savings are being drawn down and credit usage is going up. And that, he says, means value clearly matters to everyone. Greg Clugston reporting. (laughs)
1: Saudi Arabia has pulled off one of the biggest shocks in World Cup soccer history. Coming from behind to stun two-time winners Argentina 2-1. The BBC's Alex Capstick has the details on this sports miracle.
3: Argentina who came here on the back of a 36-match unbeaten run and considered one of the favourites humbled by the second lowest ranked country in the tournament. Saudi Arabia, whose entire squad is based domestically, were inspired. With both sides well supported in Qatar's biggest stadium, the atmosphere was deafening. In the first half, Argentina threatened to run riot. Lionel Messi stroked home a penalty, but after the break, the unexpected. Two super skillful goals from Salah al-Sheri and Salam al-Assari and the Saudis were suddenly ahead a lead they scrapped and battled to retain. At the final whistle, delirium from the fans in green for the hordes following Argentina disbelief.
1: And finally...
2: Love to eat turkey, cause it's good. Love to eat the turkey like a good boy should. Cause it's turkey to eat
1: so good. (laughs) With Thanksgiving just around the corner, the Daybreak Insider has a few tips to streamline your holiday. First, set the table the night before. That way, you can cross off something from your day-of to-do list. Also, empty trash cans and the dishwasher the night before as well. Second, try to use square or rectangular pans. That way, you can fit more in the oven at one time. Third, for your early guests, ask if they can help with simple tasks like filling the bread basket or filling cups with water. Paul Kelly, the Guinness World Record holder for Fastest Turkey Carver, has a few tips to make sure you have a foolproof Thanksgiving.
5: Well, first of all, number one is you need a sharp knife. You cannot carve without a sharp knife, and a sharp knife is a safe knife. So that's all number one. I'm just taking this thermometer out. I would say if you're cooking a turkey, a meat thermometer is the number one tool you need as well. Mm-hmm. So what we do is, uh, first of all, we take that, that prime wing off there to give ourselves uh-huh. a little bit of space. Yes. And then with a nice sharp knife again, we're going to cut down the skin through the leg. Mm -hmm. Turn the bird onto its breast and then just peel the leg back. And then you can cut through the leg and through the joint.
1: Kelly explains that while it may be tempting to start cutting when you take your turkey out of the oven, let it stand for a half hour.
5: I've taken the leg off, I've taken the leg off, and I'm gonna go a step further and we're gonna take the whole of the breast off. You could start to carve it like this, but again, that knife down the breastbone of the bird, you just follow the line of the bone, use your carving fork, peel it over so you can slip down. I should say what's also important is when you take the bird out of the oven, let it stand
2: uh-huh. for
5: at least half an hour before carving it. It allows you to handle the bird. You can see I've taken that whole breast lobe off. This has been out of the oven for an hour and it's still steaming hot. The bird won't That's get my the favorite color.
2: part.
1: Kelly gives a few tips to make the best turkey crackling.
5: We've taken the breasts and the legs off. Mm -hmm. If when you take your turkey out of the oven, if the skin is really brown and crispy, you've probably cremated the turkey. You've (laughs) overcooked it. Okay, so you want it, the skin, not to be like that. So you can see I'm peeling the skin off this. Take the whole of the skin off the breast there, and then you lie it into a baking tray. All of this, like that, into the baking tray. The legs, because you've taken the whole leg off, you can peel the skin off the whole of the leg as well, like that season it with salt and pepper, pop it back in the oven for 20 minutes, take it out and you have the most amazing turkey crackling.
1: The Guinness World Record holder describes the best way to cut turkey meat.
5: When we've got the breasts, you can just carve lovely slices then of breast meat and you will going down through the grain of the meat so okay. it takes you get yeah. more bite on the meat.
1: Kelly also suggests a quick way to reheat your turkey.
5: Once you've carved the meat that you need into, the, into your carving tray, you get the stock from the bird, mm-hmm. and you pour it over the meat. And that's a great tip, actually, because if, if the turkey is maybe a bit too tepid, a bit too cool on Thanksgiving Day, it's very easy, once you've carved it, to bring the meat back up to temperature. You get your stock and your gravy piping hot, and if you pour that over the meat, it will bring it back up to temperature.
1: From all of us here at the Daybreak Insider Podcast, Happy Thanksgiving.
2: Thanksgiving! night jimmy walker used to say dynamite that's right
1: subscribe to the daybreak insider podcast at apple or google podcast spotify or salem podcast network.com get our companion daybreak insider newsletter each morning at daybreakinsider.com ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at srnnews.com and townhall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Jim Bartow.
0: Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.